Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I always say we're not here to compete with anyone. We're just here to build that infrastructure so we can enable every company to hypergrowth. Anyone who's who's looking for opportunities, think about how do you engage your users in 30 seconds, but also excite them to buy something and enable them to buy that. You're, you, you, you're going to be the next next unicorn coming out of here. And good morning, good afternoon. Good evening from wherever you're watching or listening to from around the world. Welcome to my podcast. This is the RJ Ledesma podcast. And in the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets in business, and can we hack those success secrets? How have they innovated their businesses during this pandemic? And more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in the new normal and the next normal? Now, is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please do let me know. Drop me a message. We would love to have them here on the show. We are live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, Global Pinash TV, and now Bounce Back Network. And this morning, very happy to have my guest coming in all the way from Singapore, and he's the partner and Global Vice President of ShareIt, an offline cross-platform cross platform file sharing, content discovery, and gaming platform. Today, we're going to have on the show Karam Malhorta. Now, ShareIt Group is a global internet technology company that has built numerous popular tools and digital entertainment content applications. Their diversified suite of applications, including their core app, which is ShareIt, has been installed by nearly... 2.4 billion users worldwide. The business network has reached up to 200 countries and regions in 45 different languages. Now, defining what this unicorn fast tech growth company is all about, Karama said ShareIt is a platform where users share content and digital products like apps by leveraging social connections. In essence, it's really a platform where people share, discover, learn, and enjoy. So let's discover more. About share it, please welcome to the show Karam Malhorta Malhotra. Thank, <laughs> Thank you so much for having us today. I really appreciate Karam, your time. Thanks so much. Thanks for uh, thanks for waking up early and, and tuning in from Singapore. Much much appreciated. Uh, now, Karam, right before we start, you know, I often tell I often tell my guests, you know, sometimes uh, when I discuss, you know, fast tech companies or you know tech companies in general, it's very difficult to explain this to my seventy seven year old dad. What you guys are actually doing? So, if I was to talk, if you, if I was to talk to your father or my, my father, uh, how would I explain to them 
what Share It is all about? Yeah, wow, that's a tough question. Now, <laughs> uh, um, I think I think Share is a it's a really simple app. I mean, the simpler you are, the larger you you know user base you have, and I think that's that's the beauty of Share It. Um, Share It is basically a platform where you share things, right? And you share things peer to peer, and you can share them with or without internet, and that can be a game, a video, a you know, an app, um, it, it could be a photo from your, from your phone. Um, and that's really what share it is. It, it is a way for people to connect with each other by sharing things. What we do at share it is make that sharing super easy, but then we also allow you to discover more things, consume, and then have more things to share. So quite frankly, it's, it, it's basically, a, a more elaborate, um, if sometimes I say, if you if you if you take a YouTube and you put a and a WhatsApp and you put them together, and that's kind of what share it turns turns into. I see. It's, it's a it's a and I, I actually you know my my first experience with share it, if you don't mind me sharing with you, was actually when when I had to transfer all the memory from my old phone from my old phone my old Android phone to my new Android phone. I said, wow, this is this is great. <laughs> this made it much yes. easier. Uh, this is the best app that I had to do because technically it was a peer-to-peer sharing uh, between phones and it, it yeah. made things much easier. Um, so yeah, I think that that might suffice for my dad now to explain to him. I, I want to ask you now from another perspective, if you were going to make that elevator pitch, let's say, and you know, to, to a big investor and say, okay, this is what Shared is all about in an elevator pitch and how does it make money? Yeah. Um, yeah. How would you explain that to uh, an investor? I think I think with an investor, we, we we try and bring out what actually Shared enables. So Shared for us has enabled to allow us to build a digital infrastructure and economy, right? Like what what we've realized is why do people use Shared when there's Play Store and they could go get apps from there? Why do people right. use Shared when there's WhatsApp? And yet we have two and a half billion people downloading this app. Yeah, so yeah. if you think about it, Sharon actually plays a really integral part. And I say sometimes we serve the underserved. Sometimes we understand what a lot of the large American giant companies haven't really serviced enough of, you know, or towards the users in, in a lot of emerging markets. And that is the, the need and the innate human habit in us to share things, share things almost unlimited and without the constraints sometimes of data, right? Because if you're sitting in the middle of Metro Manila, you're sitting in the middle of Jakarta, you don't have, you know, the fastest internet speed to share a one GB game with your friend. And if you had to download that from the internet, um, it could take you quite, quite a long time. So I think what we tell investors is we are building an infrastructure in the economy, in the ecosystem that allows people to get access to content, to discover content, and then share that content. And that content could be a game, it could be a video, it could be an app, it could be anything, any media that consumes your time. Um, And that infrastructure is now the infrastructure on which we can build so many more things on ShareIt. So, you know, in the future, we're looking at uh, putting a, a, a fintech or a finance angle on top of that infrastructure. Mm-hmm. 
So how do we use the same connections we built and build uh, or allow digital payments to happen more easier? How do we use the same infrastructure we built and allow commerce um, or, 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 or purchases to happen you know, towards a merchant in a much easier way? So really, if you think about it, we've spent the last five years building this infrastructure, this ecosystem of connecting people. And now what we offer into this infrastructure is, is unlimited. So sort of like, you know, it's like a, I mean, my best example is like, it's building a super app, like, like how the Chinese have built a super app uh, for within China to work within their ecosystem. Exactly. But I think the one big difference is we don't want to build a super app. We don't want to build an app competing with, with say Gcash. We don't want to build an app competing with Kumu. We don't want to build an app competing with Shopee or Lazada. We want to build the infrastructure because we realize the, when we are so large and so hugely penetrated across many, many countries and many phones. It, in most of Asia, by the way, we sit on four out of five phones. So when we do that, we don't want to, um, I would say, you know, to some degree, create any form of animosity or any mm -hmm. fear. Like, oh my God, share it's going to come and take my market share. Actually, no. Like, whether it's commerce, whether it's fintech, whether it's gaming, whether it's video, we want to just make life easier for other apps. So that makes us quite different from super apps, where super apps try and, you know, do everything on their own and to some degree compete directly with these other. Uh, ecosystem partners, we don't, you know, we, we just want to build the, the bedrock, the foundations and say, okay, now we've built this. Now a hundred other companies can use this ecosystem to grow. I get that. And, and you were saying that there's 2.4 billion users right now uh, of ShareIt. Uh, what, what's the demographic basically? Where, where can you find the biggest numbers of ShareIt users right now? Yeah, so 2.4 billion people have installed the app and obviously the, 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 the monthly actives uh, range anywhere between 400 and, uh, and half a billion monthly actives. Um, I would say a good almost 50% of that lies here in Southeast Asia. Um, so we're talking about Indonesia, Philippines, Malaysia uh, being some of the largest markets. Um, maybe another... So about a third in Southeast Asia, about a third in South Asia, so across India, Bangladesh, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and about a good one third across Middle East, um, North Africa, South Africa, and Russia. So Sherrod is very much a Eastern Hemisphere, or I would say a Asia-grown app. Um, and it's because... To some degree, and I always say this to investors and ecosystem partners, is when you and I discover content in Asia, we typically don't go to a blog. We typically don't go and research on our own. We just go ask our friend. We just say, hey, what app should I download? Hey, what should I buy? Hey, which movie should I watch? And, and hence the habit of depending on friends or family for referrals, recommendations, is so strong in our culture. And that's why Sherrod has done so well in this part of the world, because to some degree, it just fuels that culture. You know, you want to, you trust what your friend gives you. So I will trust far more a recommendation or an app from coming from my friend than I would sometimes on myself, you know, trying to figure out which is the best 
you know, app for a particular utility or a particular use case. So I feel that's why Shared has um, has been far more dominant in this part of the world. Yeah, and, and having said that as well, I hope you don't mind. This is my own observation: is that it seems to be doing better in in developing countries, or you know, it's instead of the developed countries. Is there a particular yeah. reason why? Is because of that culture of word of mouth? Because I mean, I guess where the word of mouth is pretty strong also in in, in the Western world or in 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 that in that hemisphere. But is there a particular reason why in the developing country it, it spreads much faster? Um, yeah, I, I actually think two, two reasons. So first is, if, if you look at the term, typical pyramid of content discovery in the Western world, the first is people will search on their own. They will go to Google search and they will search. The second is they will probably read blogs or read uh, you know blog posts or they will go to Pinterest or they'll go to Tumblr and stuff like that. The third is they will probably depend on editorial or push notifications. And actually the last is they will actually typically ask friends. So the, the, the pyramid of content discovery in the West looks this. In, in the East, it's completely inversed. I, I'll give you an example. My wife used to head search at, at Google um, and her biggest job was to teach people how to use Google search. She had to teach people because if you think about it for a new native user, Google search is a very non-obvious platform because it's just a box. That's it. If you are the first time internet user, what do you type in that box? I don't know. You know. So if you think about it, if you're the, for the first time coming on Google search, you're lost because you don't know what to type. It's just an empty boxing search. So that's why actually, but it's far easier for me if I was a new internet user, I would go to my local mom and pop, you know, mobile shop and say, ah, tell me which are the best five games I should download. Tell me which are the best five apps I should download. And that is a very Eastern culture. That is not what you see in developed countries. You don't go to a mom and pop and shop and say, hey, you know, tell me what I should download. So I think because of that, that's actually one of the biggest reasons. Uh, that Sherrod has been far more dominant in developing emerging markets because we have a lot more users who are native and new to the internet than you see in the developed worlds. And, and, and hence, a lot more people are dependent on these referrals, recommendations, word of mouth uh, behavior. I think the second is, um, apart from connecting people and apart from making life easy and convenient. Shared also solves a very basic aspect of, um, of uh, solving for internet, um, like or in intermittent or, you know, offline. The unreliability the intermittent or the intermittent uh, internet signals, I guess, yeah, in this yeah. part of the world. And, you know, it's like, uh, and, and, and it exists in all across Asia because we have a lot of people. Our telecom infrastructure is never able to keep up with people's demands. And hence, uh -huh. people's demand always surpass that. And hence, um, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi penetration in Philippines, Indonesia, India, is less than 10%, right? So Wi-Fi is a luxurious product. In the West, Wi-Fi, I mean, I don't know. Like, even if you sit under a, a, a traffic light, you'll have Wi-Fi. So I think Sherrod also helps solve for that, that I can use my phone 
and I can be as powerful with my phone even without always being connected to the internet. Um, and that empowers people. So can I use share it and actually be ripping you know, apps and games to my friends even when I'm in a bus? Yes, you can. Um, or when I'm in a plane or when I'm in a train. Uh, and I think that's the other reason why sharing has become so um, so popular in, in, in these markets, because these markets do suffer from an infrastructure constraint and will always continue to suffer from it because, you know, before we had 3G, but people would only, you know, best like share 5, 10 MBs uh, of, of apps. Now, now we have 4G, but now people want to play like 1GB games and they want to share things which are so much larger. So that um, I would say that inequality between what people want and what people can get from the infrastructure is always is always present and continues to grow. Sort of like a perfect storm, really, for Sherrod to grow uh, in this in this region of the world, given both the culture and then the uh, what I would say is more or less the the internet uh, the, 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 yeah. the, the 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 internet signals here are are not doing that great uh, for people who might you know are encountering Sherrod for the first time. It's available on, on the Play Stores, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, what would be the, if you don't mind, you know, if, if for those who are, who are first timers and they're going, I mean, right now, some people's minds who might not still be using Share, they're blown. Wow, this is how Share it works. Can you run me through the, the customer experience of actually uh, bringing in Share it and, and how it works? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you're an iPhone user, I typically tell people Share it is AirDrop on steroids. Like AirDrop was was an iOS feature. It was inbuilt into the operating software of Apple. Android doesn't have that. So Android basically completely missed this AirDrop feature. And AirDrop is used a lot. I, I use AirDrop all the time. A lot of very sophisticated internet users between Mac and their iPhones use AirDrop. And to some degree, I think Sherrod um, is, is an AirDrop on steroids. Now, why do I say that? I say that because um, AirDrop is a, uh, or Apple is a much more closed ecosystem. So you can't uh, access sometimes content or you can't sometimes access uh, apps or games outside the app store. But Android has built an open ecosystem where you can. Um, you can you can get apps from directly from websites. You can get uh, things directly from your friends. So the user experience on Share is really simple. Um, when you open Sharon, there's, there's three big buttons on the top. Basically, it's send, receive, and manage, right? So if you want to send something, you click on send. If you want to receive something, you click on receive. And if you want to manage your files or your folders and what's on your phone, you click on that. Um, and then under that, there's a lot of recommendations, either in our gaming section, our content section, um, that uh, that that we we offer for you to also explore other forms of content. So yeah, the the, the user behavior is quite and user journeys are very very basic, but designed to be um, like uh, like very in intuitive. Intuitive. Um, having said that, it's a free app, right? Yeah. It's a free app to download. And can, can you help us also better understand from a business standpoint what exactly is the business model that runs uh, Shared? Yeah, um, like Google, like Facebook, we make money from ads. Um, we, we, we try and minimize the amount of ads we show to our users. But um, yeah, when you have to pay the bills for 
two billion phones and the server costs <laughs> related to that. It's it's in millions of dollars. Um, so so yeah, we 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 help through ads, but I think I think more and more we're getting smarter and more efficient and more user friendly in what we're recommending to users in terms of sponsored or inorganic content, and that's because. As we learn more about our users, we can recommend and sponsor apps which are more related to them, right? So if I if I am learning that you like playing a lot of hyper casual games like Candy Crush and um, Bubble Shooter, then I will actually recommend you something in that genre, in that subcategory, and you'd actually be happy with that. You'd be like, "Oh, cool! This is this is something I, I'm 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 interested in." So. We have become a very large platform to support advertisers and support um, other mobile app developers in their discovery of their apps because our recommendation engine has become so powerful. And when wow. you have a very powerful recommendation engine and you sit on you know, billions of users, uh, you can actually make pretty large impact. I, I, have a, I have a question. I mean, I just realized, I mean, <clears throat> given given that you know you're seeing everything from this side of the world the eastern hemisphere you've got a lot of a lot of data what have been the the great insights that you've gained really from share it uh with regard to users in the region that that are i guess idiosyncratic uh to this part of the world is there is there anything interesting or like in southeast asia is something very interesting in south asia is something very interesting about uh you about about the users and 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 uh, and share it or in general about people using the app um, I think I think we 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 learn one of the the most interesting things we learn is the offline online usage of people because some people tend to use apps uh, and and the phone a lot offline as well. Um, so I think that's that that is very very interesting and we see like almost fifty five percent of our users will choose to use um, a lot of the features offline um, and that varies quite a lot by country. So we'll see. In Egypt and North Africa, it's very high, 65, 70%. And in Southeast Asia now, it's about 30, 35%. Um, what's interesting is, is in a country like India, which went through this massive internet revolution where you know, this, uh, the oil and gas billionaire gave, made internet almost freely accessible to everyone. Um, I think in that market, like we, we saw like the usage of Sherrod grew. So the other thing we typically get asked is like, oh, when internet improves and 4G improves, uh, does the usage of shared reduce? And actually, we we saw that um, when when there's more internet in the economy, there's more need to download. There's more a need to share. You're basically empowering people to do more, and hence the the traffic that goes through shared just just spikes up. So. Um, that's the other thing we've learned that actually Sherrod now actually grows with internet rather than being negatively impacted with it. Honestly, we didn't know the answer to that question until we saw the phenomena play out, right? So that's, that's also been a very interesting learning for us. Uh, India was, was a big use case because, you know, it, there were hundreds of millions of users there and, and internet is now amongst the cheapest in the world in India. But it's interesting because we're pretty sure such disruption will will happen across all of Southeast Asia very soon, and we're confident because we've seen that play out. Um, 
Yeah, so I think I think differences in offline online usage, differences in when the ecosystem changes, how does that impact share it? Um, those have been some of the basic learnings. The, the last thing is what people share, um, and that obviously evolves and changes. Um, but in, especially the subcategory. So I always say that 2015 to 20 was the era of social video and gaming, right? There was a lot okay. of yeah, a lot of gaming being shared, a lot of um, social apps being shared because that was the that was the most interesting topic. Um, now, after COVID, especially, well, COVID's not over, but <laughs> like while it's um, it's a lot of commerce and fintech. It's a lot of life enablement, life culture, lifestyle apps being shared, and I think that's that's one of the biggest changes we've seen uh, over the last few uh, maybe six months to a year. Hello, this is Agnes Ravasho, CEO at MDI Novaria Technologies. Come listen to My Digital Impact, where I talk about customer experience obsession with fellow business leaders, about relatable moments on customer excellence, and teachable experiences on customer service. My Digital Impact is available wherever you listen to your podcasts, powered by Podcast Network Asia. Check us out after listening to this one. 
populating it with, with different types of games and we see what people click on um, and what people engage in. So yeah, I think definitely, you know, hyper casual was, was very popular, you know, uh, but now you're going to the world of FPS and RPG. So first person shooter and <laughs> games, which is all your um, PUBGs, Garenas, Call of Duties. Um, those are definitely growing in, in a lot of popularity. Um, the, you know, the, 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 the most strategy games, um, which, which are more elaborate, like Assassin's Creed or Mikoyo, they haven't really picked up that much in, in Southeast Asia. Like, I think Southeast Asia is still very uh, less penetrated versus, you know, how those games do very well in, in Japan and Korea and China. Mm-hmm. Uh, Southeast Asia has a very different use case of games. So um, I think, yeah, from, from, from that perspective, we, we, we do see that focus. Um, in some countries like India, where real money gaming um, is legalized with some terms and conditions, uh, that's seen a really interesting growth because people are like, oh, you know, oh, cool. I want to put like a dollar in and see if I can win $2 out or $5 out. So that competitive spirit um, has opened up and we, uh, we've we observed that trend. Um, I think that the trend hasn't come to Southeast Asia as yet because it's still uh, not legalized by most countries. But, but that- it will. I'm, I'm pretty sure that will happen soon. And um, it's it's nice to see that uh, we're seeing all these different trends and, and that all these peculiarities amongst the different uh, Asian countries when it comes to shared usage. Now I want to take another step back, Desh, and you know, um, uh, like myself, we're both entrepreneurs. I know that you've got a strong entrepreneurial background even before uh, you entered Sherit, and 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 I want to talk to you about that in a bit, no? But before that one, I'm just curious, no? Like when we talk about Sherit, we often tell people, you know what? Uh, what pain point was Sherit trying to solve, right? That's the first question that investors will usually ask you, or what problem were you trying to solve? And what's interesting is sometimes when we ask that uh, for people, I know that you went to, to Kellogg for, for your for your for MBA, right? So usually when you solve first world developing problems, they aren't as sticky or as difficult to solve or as challenging to solve as third world developing country problems because these problems are are actually scalable across across larger regions. So what what was the pain point initially when, when, when Shared was born? What was it trying to solve? I think, I think it tried to solve the very simple pain point that um, it's, it's sometimes... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a real story. Um, I, I, before I joined Shared, I had launched my... I had my own tech company in the digital video space. And I had traveled into... I would say tier three, tier four markets. So, um, you know, maybe towns with 20,000 people living, 50,000 people living. And I would be, hey, can you download my app? You know, and we, because we were doing testing of regional content. Um, and the guy's like, uh, okay, um, so can you share it? And I was like, can't you just download it? And he's like, why would I do that when you have the app? Why would I have to waste my internet and my time when you've got it on your phone? <laughs> I'll be like, okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> and I said, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I'd, I'd open his phone and I clicked on Google Play and he's like, it says sign in. And I was like, why don't you sign in? He's like, with what? 
I'm like, with your Gmail ID. He's like, what's Gmail? And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, we assume everyone uses Gmail. We assume, you know, these things are so obvious to us, but there's like half a billion people in even a country like India which don't use Gmail. And these are internet users. So I'm like, oh, you can't use Google Play. Um, and, um, and he's like, oh, and I said like, how much internet do you use a day? He said, yeah, yeah, I just, I just put it on for WhatsApp and I put it off and I put it on for Facebook and I put it off. So I said, why do you keep putting it on and off? He's like, no, I don't trust the apps on my phone. They keep using internet in the background. So you realize all this and you see like the pain points are so many. You know, the, the infrastructure we are used to using, the apps we are used to using are, are obviously assuming we all have a Google account. Obviously, assuming we we're not worried if a hundred MB of our internet is used mistakenly overnight, right? It's not going to uh, make us feel less poor or less rich. Um, and and you realize that there is actually a huge strata, a huge belly of the of internet mobile users who who are actually efficient. They 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 say if you have it, just give it to me. You know, why should I download from the internet? If I download things, they'll come with viruses, spamware. But if it's working on your phone, it's probably got no virus. So when you send it to me, I'm also virus free. So there is this, the pain point. And I, I, was, I was telling you the story because the pain point that shared, I saw that they saw one was trust. There's a lot of mistrust in the internet because while you and I may be smart and discerning to know what's right, what's wrong, what's actually a malware or malicious app versus not. Most people don't know that. Yeah, I see that's right. So they first solve for trust. You then solve for efficiency. So rather than me waiting for 10 minutes to download something because I have a super slow internet, I can get it from you super fast because it works peer-to-peer -peer and peer-to-peer -peer works at almost 50 MB per second. That's fast. The third is they solve for cost efficiency because I don't need to spend my money to download something when I can get it from you for free. And I think just solving for these three things, trust, you know, cost and time is what share it solves for. And I think it was a very beautiful, a very simple product to, to achieve this. And that's why it's so popular. Um, you know, you'll be surprised and share it. We've never done in organic campaigns. We have never done one ad in Share It to ask people to download our app. So these two billion plus installs have happened all organically. And the only time that happens is when your product speaks for itself. Right. So I, I, I think that is probably the most simplest thing Share It solved for, but did it in a very, very easy and, and user-intuitive way. Very interesting story there. Now, um... The, the story you share it, I, I want to just find out how it merges with your own personal entrepreneurial journey. Like you said, I understand that prior to coming to share it, you were also uh, a very uh, an entrepreneur. You ran two businesses, which was uh, Past Films, a mobile enter entertainment platform, and the greatest common factor, GCF, an edtech company. Um, tell me a bit more about, about those two uh, um, and how that journey eventually led you to joining share it, uh, you know. Uh, did, yeah. did you have to give up your um, your 
previous your previous your 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 previous startups or or was it something that you merged into share it uh, i would love to know so in the and uh, what are the pain points that you were originally solving let's say with with your first two fast films and and gcf yeah sure 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 um so uh, so I spent about seven, eight years in consultancy. I was at McKinsey in London and I was working with all the best media companies. And I, this is back in 2014, 15. And I realized, um, you know, there's all this amazing things happening in the West. I just love to do it myself in, in, uh, you know, uh, in, in Asia. So. I took a sabbatical and I came, uh, I started in India with a friend of mine from Harvard. Uh, and he and I built Fast Films, which is what our, our company was called. And Fast Films was very simple. It was fast, that was supposed to allow you to watch content without buffering, because those days the biggest issue was video buffering. And it was films. So we had premium content because we realized like the user generated content was so um, say non-professional at that time. Like the, the 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 shooting wasn't very good. We didn't have very good phones. We didn't have very good video software. So the amount of the, the kind of content that users were generating was not nothing compared to what's happened, you know, these days on TikTok. So the content we needed to entertain people was was premium, and we needed to do it in a way with technology that allowed to ha have them have a buffer-free experience. So we, we put both those things together. Um, we, we, we licensed and we worked with companies from Milan to, to get very special video technology that could stream even on 2G connections. Uh, and we built that. And the reason we, we opened, like I opened two companies, one is in the entertainment space, because I said, well, you know, entertaining the masses has, has been always a passion of mine. But um, I always knew education will will um, derive most value from it, right? Because if you can do the same for movies, you can do the same for tutorials and, and, and video classes and video learning for children. So both those companies use similar technology and both those companies dealt with video and video technology and built video interfaces. And that's why um, they both made sense, but they were doing it in completely different industries, right? One entertainment, one education. Um, the, I then realized though, that the entertainment space is one, which is a very, very, very expensive space because then you start competing head to head with an Amazon, with a Netflix, with a Facebook, with a Google, with all these amazing large companies. And it's not a space that startups typically can thrive in because, um, you're, 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 you're having to compete with their billions of dollars with your millions. And that that's never a fun game. So I realized we needed a big brother for, for fast films. And the big brother was someone either who had a lot of cash, so we could compete with, that comp with these other companies, or with someone who had a lot of distribution. Because you typically use cash to buy distribution. Uh, right? So for us, that was the... That's where we found Share It. Share It um, was also just starting up at that time. And I said, well, okay, this is a great platform for us to um, supercharge our growth of fast film. So yes, th there was a business merger uh, between the companies and, um, and most of my ex 
colleagues all moved over into ShareIt. We moved our technology, we moved our uh, the content. So it, it, it was a great learning experience for everyone and everyone enjoyed it because what we were doing with say, couple of million users, which was our app, ShareIt allowed us to do the same with hundreds of users. And hence that, that immediate overnight supercharging really worked. So I then went over into ShareIt um, the education company, I actually handed it over to my other co-founders and they continue to run it and they continue to thrive. They have, they, they today are reaching almost um, eight, 900,000 students with that technology and that content. So that's, that's something I'm very proud of, very happy and that com company continues. Um, but yeah, and then I think the journey then started at Sherrod and then from there, you know, we, we learned country by country and we, we, we started growing the business uh, so what, what's the I, i'm just curious what's the current state of fast films inside shared right now is it still is it still running inside the shared? It, yeah so everything we, we we basically agree that everything would then be integrated into share it so so the, the the content was was showcased to all the users the technology came into the company the people came into the company so it, it was a beautiful merger into the company but but now it now it doesn't operate as two companies. It operates as one, which is where the mothership or the mother brand is share it, mm -hmm. and all our tech and all our people and content exists now within. No, now um, when you entered Share It, I just want to know initially it was very simple. It's a sharing platform with both you know send and, and receive, right? So yeah. um, what how what from its first iteration when you initially came into the company as somebody. Who, who you know who who sold this company to share it, and eventually to now, what what pivot did you have to make uh, in the process? What did you have to learn that that so that the app could grow and scale this much across all these different countries? Okay, and so so why was Sherrod interested in fast films? Right, if you look at it from Sherrod's perspective, they said we are a simple utility. We allow people to share things, but I think. The vision was always greater. The vision was always, well, if we allow people to share things, could we also play the role of helping them discover things, helping them consume that, uh, what they discover, and then helping them share? So that's where we came into the place, because when you start helping people discover things, you need to know what to show them. So you need to have some form of DNA in the company, which is content-oriented, which is media-oriented. And mm -hmm. I think that's the... That's the role my team played, where they came in and brought, brought that learning, that vision of what content should we go acquire, what content should we curate for, for people so that they're interested, then get them to consume it, and then get them to share more. So I think that's the, that's the role that both, both companies played for each other, and it, it worked in a very beautiful way. But it changes. you know. Uh, five years ago, long form content, one hour, two hour movies was what, what, what everyone was watching. Now people, people get bored if it's more than 30 seconds. Exactly, right? oh yes. How can, you, how can you make me watch something on the phone for one hour? It's, it's not possible. So, so that was a huge change in our business, right? Where Initially, we went and acquired so many long movies. We actually paid a lot of money to Viacom and all these big, big studios to, to, to license their content. And then 
coming close to 2019-20, we're like, but people want to watch only 30 seconds of everything. So it, it, it was such a huge learning so fast, so quickly, how the world moved from long form to short form content. And I think that was a really interesting um, adaptation for Sherrod, right? Where we said, okay, what people were consuming five years ago is no longer their first port of interest or first choice of content consumption on their mobile. Um, so th those are some of the adaptations we've always made. It used to be gaming, now it's less. Now, one of the biggest things that companies like, as I mentioned earlier, is we're seeing so much of commerce-related, shopping-related, fintech-related apps um, that people are interested in. Um, should we explore and allow people to better discover deals, better discover products, better discover more commerce-related things? Because at the end of the day, it's all about sharing. And what you share, whether you share a voucher, you share a deal with your friend, to us, it's as good as you wanting to share a video or an app five years ago. So it's very important we stay very close to the, the trends that are happening in the market. So like we, we, we were the first guys to kill all the long-form content on Sherrod. We had a proper movie page. We, if you read, we, we had done partnerships with people like iFlix, who were the Netflix of Southeast Asia. We had all their content inside Sherrod. One year later, people wanted to watch only 30-second movies. So, you know, these are things we learn and we keep adapting to. But as I, as I go back to what I said earlier, Sherrod is basically an infrastructure. And what gets shared within that infrastructure will evolve every two years. And I think that's something we have to stay close to. And it really keeps you on your toes, I see, Karam, uh, having done all these different things. Still thinking of what career is best for you? My name is Pat Soyo. Check out my podcast where we answer questions and debunk job descriptions by interviewing professionals so we can put an end to our career search. This is Job Defined. Available on wherever you listen to your podcast. Powered by Podcast Network Asia. Given that you know everything changes in 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 uh, every three years, all of a sudden, uh, on top of that one, you were hit by this pandemic, which is uh, a black swan event, really out of the blue. Um, how did that affect uh, Sherit and your plans for Sherit? Uh, many people talk about you know if you were if you're already in in tech or you know if you were already leveraging digital technology, that's great. But then, how did it affect you internally? How did it affect your users? And how did it affect you uh, across the region? Um, I think it had mixed effects. So I would say in most markets, it was positive because people were sitting at home and most of them were glued to their phones. Um, and, 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 and hence, in, 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 in such a world, like I felt that was a much easier um, organic growth for us because people were watching more content at home. They were playing more games. They were uh, sharing things. So in many markets, we just grew actually during the pandemic. Um, however, in some markets, interestingly, we saw our, our users evolve. So we used to have a core group of users who were these small mom and pop shops. So something you would realize, YouTube, Instagram, share it. They're very popular in Asia because they actually help people make money off them. YouTube doesn't do it directly. Instagram doesn't do it directly, but it happens. So I'll tell you, give you how. 
we realized that there were a lot of mom and pop mm, telecom companies, mobile shop owners, you know, mm-hmm. and and they would actually charge a service to people saying, hey, I'll I'll download all the apps and games on my phone from Play Store and I'll share it with you. But I'll charge you a little money for it. I'll charge you. I'll charge very, you. very entrepreneurial, very mom and pop entrepreneurial. Yeah. Now that happened outside of our company, right? We we are yeah. blind to that. We don't know how people are using the app. But it was a, a huge. There was a lot of people earning their livelihood from 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 like taking content recommendations and digital uh, recommendations very seriously. They would do it as a top up service. Ah, you've come to buy a new phone. How about you use my service of me putting a lot of great stuff on your phone, and you charge, and I'll charge you another like I don't know half a dollar for it, over a dollar. So um, that, and, and why I say share it also became very popular because it enabled a lot of people to, to actually uh, charge for a service on top of it. Uh, now that that's one. The second is um, we had, uh, and you know, it's, it's also like why, as you know, a lot of business happens off WhatsApp and it's why business uh, WhatsApp flourishes, right? So. A lot of people conduct business on WhatsApp. So I think during during the pandemic, what we saw is those mom and pop shops had to shut down. So we did see them reduce on the users, but but it actually grew a lot of our direct peer-to-peer, actually single consumer to single consumer uh, transaction. So while the, the shop owner to 100 customers per day uh, interactions stopped or reduced, the single consumer to single consumer so mother to father sister to brother friend to friend those increase so i think overall for us it was okay yeah. i'm just curious how, what's the what is the uh the the, the distance that you can have uh, for you be, to be able to still share it with somebody else how, how near do you have to be to somebody else to to make sure that so it, it actually depends on your your wi-fi adapter inside your phone um and typically we, we we've done crazy tests but I think the, the the shortest distance is if you are at the back of a bus and I'm all the way at the front of the bus, it works. But I think that's the maximum. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I was just wondering because in terms of you know, of of course, you know, we have different levels of quarantine and isolation. How are people able to do increase peer to peer if they were like you know if they were uh, lockdowns like we call we call it here in the Philippines lockdowns or or yeah, you know, yeah. Can, I think a lot of people live in the same community building, so a lot of people live within their their closed uh, gated colonies or their, I see, I see. Uh, you know, their condominiums or their apartment buildings. So that's why I said, like, we saw a lot of these one, 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 one interactions suddenly grow. And I suddenly, see, like, I see. one auntie is sharing something with one uncle, with one auntie, with, you know. So that suddenly grew. So it was very, very localized, right, um, which we had never seen before. Um because you know they typically they would go get Wi-Fi from the office or from shopping malls. Both of those were shut, so there happened to be a lot of that one-to-one sharing, which exploded on sharing. Interesting, a lot of great insights really coming out from from the from the pandemic as well. Now, um, let me let me let me switch hats for a moment there, and, and let's let me wear uh, my marketer's hat. You know, um, as an advertiser right now, um, I know that you said that you know the platform right now. Uh, really generates income or the income stream comes from ads. But then how can I maximize, let's say, my participation uh, in, in the ad space? Like for myself, I, I run, uh, here in the Philippines, just to give you an example, I run Mercato Central, which is 
the largest alfresco market, sort of like your hawker's market, like La Passat over here. And, you know, what if I was to, how would I market that on, on the platform to more people? Uh, let's say if I was going to use the shared platform. Yeah. Um, so a simple marketer's pitch, I typically tell people, think of Shared as an influencer network, uh, like massively catalyzed. Um, so, so because everyone is influencing everyone. I'm influencing my brother, my brother's influencing my sister, my sister's influencing my friend. At the end of the day, everyone is basically a localized influencer. They may not think of it that way, but actually when you're sharing something and you're doing something word of mouth, you're basically an influencer. So what we love to do on Shared is we need love to create these campaigns where we can influence um, more and more people to share because naturally they are inorganically influencing people. And the way to do that is we typically influence either the receiver from asking for something or the sender from being able to send something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just one trivia is like one file typically gets shared on share at 16 times. So if you start a share, that file will end up getting shared about 16 times. And then mm-hmm. if somebody else starts a share, that will end up having, so the, the multiplier effect is about 16x on share. So if you're, um, if you're an app developer, you know, we can use this influence and network by inorganically recommending people saying, hey, this is a great app. You're anyway sharing ABCD with your friend. Why don't you also share E and get them to enjoy this? So that's one way where we work with apps. Um, because we have such a large user base, um, we, are, we also have you know, positions or placements in the app where we can just announce things and make things visible to people. So like in the Philippines, we're, we're doing a lot of work with the Inga Dagat uh, um, system for the vaccinations and the healthcare system. So we can just make things well known to each other. Um, we have push notifications, which is also a great way of informing people about things that happen. So I, I think I think as a marketer, you can think of Shared as a, as a way of like, like hyper growing virality. Now that could be about about you know people coming to you know your restaurant or your hawker center or downloading an app or visiting your shop. The 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 action you want to get out of it can be uh, anything. The last thing which we always say and we love why the way share it works is it's always an offline online experience because it's not you with the internet. It's you with another human. Because when you're sharing, you're, you're sharing it with another human in front of your face. So there's going to be conversation. And there's going to be some further offline chitter-chatter about what people are actually doing between the two apps. Why this is important is the quality of things that get shared on ShareIt is typically very high. You download an app from the internet. You may not even use it. And then you're like, man, I don't even know how to use it. And you don't open it and you just uninstall it. You get an app from your friend and you'll be like, okay, come on, teach me how to use it. Like, how should I, how, how should I get started? Come on. Like, and the guy will be like, oh, do this, 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 and you'll get into this magic level. And so suddenly the, the, the quality of what gets shared on ShareIt leads to very high engagement and very high usage because um, your friend is putting his credibility uh, or her credibility on it and they will help you onboard or get started. 
and that's that's one of a very different aspects of Sharer, which I think no other platform can can claim to fame. Exactly. And um, I just want to know, like uh, in the Philippines, what's the current presence of Sharer? I know my personal. It was a peer recommendation actually to me from from the when I yeah. when I was in my in my telecom shop. They were saying, "Sir, this is a good this is a good uh, app to use because you can transfer all your files instantly." So. How what how are you uh, growing the presence here in the Philippines right now? Yeah, I mean, sure. Philippines we're very lucky. We have almost forty million monthly active users in Philippines. Um, that you know, App Annie, which is a very trusted source of app rankings, um, put us even higher than the usage of Instagram in terms of daily active usage. So I think in Philippines the one is because the country is so, you know, is, is geographically distributed across many islands. Um, you know, the, 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 the infrastructure isn't, isn't as easy to build out. So Sherrod plays a very big role in that um, and the popularity of what, what, the, uh, what the platform does. So in, in Philippines, honestly, all our growth has been organic and we're super humbled and super excited actually about it, um, which is why we're where we've set up a full-time team in Philippines. Um, the, the first few people I've hired from, from INSEAD were, were, were from the Philippines uh, region. So we're, we're, we're really excited about this market because it's, um, it's, you're seeing a very close explosion in digital growth and, and even, you know, apps like Kumu, the homegrown apps, they're, 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 they're kicking ass and we're, we, we, we are one of Kumu's largest publishers, I think, for their growth. And we love them and they love us. And it's, you know, I think there's partners like that who, who we love to work with. Also, we, we touch a lot of unbanked people. Like we touch people who are probably using internet banking for the first time, probably using mobile banking for the first time. So that's why... Um, we also have a very strong presence working with a lot of the large fintech companies and the banks uh, in the country because we're helping them uh, like bring a lot more neo banking or uh, first first you know this this new age of banking um, actually onto their services. So it, it's a super exciting market, and I think our reach and and the the, the Filipino entrepreneurial spirit and 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 growth explosion in, in digital entrepreneurship in the market and fusion of capital is, is all coming together in a very nice way. Yeah. I even understand that you guys will be participating in the upcoming uh, Digicon. I'll be there as well. I'll be hosting some of the, the, the ah, super. Digicon as well. Yeah, uh, we, tell us a bit more about your, your participation in uh, Digicon. Will you be speaking? Uh, yes, yes, yes. We're speaking. Um, we're, 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 we're very, uh, again, we're, we're very excited this time because I think we're platinum sponsors at Digicon. Um, we're speaking about um, what we call the flywheel. So what we've learned at Sherrod, like it's all about the infrastructure. It goes back to what I said earlier. We can help people grow their users because we have so many users. It's easier for us to recommend and influence people to do so. Once we help you grow, we can help you make money from that. Because we have won the trust of six, seven hundred, eight hundred advertisers across the world who already work with us, they're willing to to pump their money through us into other apps as long as they're verified and certified by us. So we can help you make money. 
We also can help you engage in uh, payment transactions. Um, so, you know, either you can earn money as a company through in-app revenue where you charge people or you earn through ads. And if you can grow users and make money and then use that money to grow users and then grow, you know, it, it becomes a beautiful uh, it's, cycle. A, it's a great cycle. It's a, it's a question and, I want to post And right that's now. the Since cycle the we want that to have unlock. As a result of you know running sharing, we are now wow. ready to what are the other entrepreneurial opportunities that you see emerging where people can engage in? As a result of you know how shared is growing, what, what can what can they be a part ready. of? And so that's why they I can always also say participate in the growth with any of sharing. We're just here to build that infrastructure. I mean, I think I think as a company, we're always uh, looking for new ideas. As you as I mentioned, you know, trends change so fast. So I think the the hottest topic these days, which has been fueled due to COVID is actually uh, how do we enable commerce and fintech in an easier and a more uh, um, streamlined manner to, to, to everyone. Uh, don't assume everyone will go to an e-commerce platform or to a fintech app and behave like you and me. Um, mm -hmm. Remember the, the Google search example. A lot of people don't know what to type in that, that empty bar. So I think any innovation that's coming out of um, you know this 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 blend of you know imagine you you created a commerce version of tiktok right where you're 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 selling something but it's like what we used to see on tv you know 10 years ago but it's all online and enabled and the transactions are super easy i think i think that 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 part of the market's going to like you know ex explode again so anyone who's who's looking for opportunities think about how do you engage your users in 30 seconds, but also excite them to buy something and enable them to buy that? Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be the next next unicorn coming out of Philippines. <laughs> Excellent. And one more, I, I hope I, you might find this a bit interesting, maybe a bit challenging. But let's say, for example, if you still had the time and the bandwidth, or let's say that, or, or you 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 wish you still had the resources, or you were doing something outside of uh, of of uh, of shared because you saw the opportunity, like you know, like past films, you saw something out there. Uh, what would you be doing right now if you weren't if you weren't pursuing shared as an opportunity? What are you seeing emerging in the markets across Asia? They go, oh, I wish I could be doing that here right now. I mean, I think it's less of a commercial positioning, but if I had the time, I would work on mental wealth like mental health and wellness that sector because the world has become a very tough place like i have hired a team of 50 in the last uh 12 months i haven't met anyone and it's tough because i also don't believe apps are the only way to solve it um i don't believe like we can solve for mental wellness by saying oh download my app and you know mm -hmm. watch some videos and you'll be fine i think that 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 industry, because it's changed the way we work, it's just a change the way we interact with humans, it's a change the way we're, we're going out in the society. Uh, I would actually love to do so much of more social um, research and understand, right? Um, you know, people are upset, people are depressed. I, I, I talk to my employees all the time. I understand people are going through a tough time. They don't always show it. Social media never shows it because I'm always happy on social media, right? But um, <laughs> but that is a category and a sector I would love to invest some time in, and it, I, it would need a lot of time because I don't think it's a simple app that can solve that that this new um, 
like phenomena we're seeing in society. Well, thanks so much, Karam, for sharing your time over here on the RG Ledesma podcast. I'm sure a lot of people learned a lot uh, from this podcast, a lot of great insights. And hopefully, uh, some of them have actually checked in, bought tickets to attend the Digicon. I'm 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 curious right now to, to listen to your uh, own talk in the upcoming Digicon here as well. So again, thank you so much. And we will hear, we will see you guys again in the next edition of the RG Ledesma podcast. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. See you. 